Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 347, To Jake With Love. Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Sam and Eddie. Boys, Christmas is rapidly approaching, less than two weeks away. Do we have all of our Christmas gifts wrapped and ready to go? No. I'll say no. normal. And, and not even wrapped. Yeah. And not even bought. So we're kind of pre I'm normally pretty moment. good. I would say normally at this stage, I would be done with my Christmas shopping. I'm not that it's it's not something I like put in, but usually I'm by October I have in mind kind of what I'm getting for everyone and it's kind of dealt with. This time around it's been been more of a challenge. You know what's throwing me off is the fact that Christmas Eve is like a Friday and Christmas Day is Saturday. So I feel like there's full weeks of work because usually it's a bit more broken up, right, before Christmas. So you think, right, I've got to get everything done before this point. No, I am behind. I have bought one present and I've got about probably nine or 10 to go. So you got to buy them. I don't, I'm not going to bring them down from London and then I've got to get down there. I've got to wrap them. You know what? I'm really behind. What about you, Frank, anyway? You ahead of the curve? Mm, not on the ones that are the most work, I would say. I've gotten like the easy ones down, like grandparents, those are you can get them almost anything we we go to like a street fair um, a local street fair get some nice little drawings I, I, or something it's easy, easy for me to get parent uh, christmas presents for my grandparents because they're all dead so it's pretty straightforward <laughs> just what'd you get them just a bunch thoughts of flowers and prayers. Yeah. <laughs> positive vibes <laughs> try and wrap those send up them, send them into the heaven with a little kiss and that one's on me gramps <laughs> What are those things you used to, like the candle things that you light and then they go up like a little kind of, not balloon. Oh, you mean with the, you know, where yeah, you have like a the, tea light. Where the, yeah, and it's got the hot air from the, the candle burning takes the, yeah. 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 Those things that are likely terrible for the environment, but everyone just yeah. does them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sends them off into the sky. <laughs> that reminds me, did you ever hear there was a story in World War Two? that the Japanese had built bombs on balloons and they would like push the balloons off into the wind stream that it would catch and go to America and that they would like randomly drop on American soil and that they had done it and a few had actually landed in random places and that people have these like balloon bombs from Japan that traveled all the way across the Pacific. Oh, did you hear that on like Radiolab or... Or one of those podcasts? I think probably once. And then I then saw a documentary on TV about it. Yeah. But no, I'm also disappointed. Obviously, listener to the former guest of the podcast, listener to the podcast, friend of the podcast, Jake is getting married this weekend. Uh, I will not be able to attend because of the, res- the travel restrictions going into the UK. So I was planning on being there. Nor will I. I invited. Also, <laughs> <laughs> great friend of the podcast, Dave. Um, uh, also was disappointed. I was supposed to read at the, at the wedding. So sadly 
you know, listeners of the podcast get to hear my voice, but read what? He was yeah. meant to just read just in the a, corner, just a book. Yeah, like what? Like read like <laughs> it's like a, he was like George a prop in the, the corner. <laughs> yeah, he's a prop at the wedding. <laughs> what do you want me to do to the read? reading? Yes. How long? No, how, no, no, no. How long is it? It's pretty short. It will take me. Just give it the first line and then the last line. Cut out the middle. <laughs> what? It's pretty short, but you it's want not that the many short sentences. To... But look, this way, you know, Jake listens to the podcast. He can he can weigh up his options. Does he want the person who he's asked to replace me to actually do the reading, or does he want to just play this section of the podcast? Like, take his iPhone up to this, take uh, just have this play, and can just pretend that I'm there. Yeah. Or you could come in like full on. You could come in on one of the migrant boats yeah. over the channel and really try and get into the UK. So I mean, oh, James's got to make that. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I'll I'll try to legally come into the, the UK. So the the reading is everything I know about love by Dolly Alderton. Oh, you already fell. Pretty messed up the author's name. I'm not, <laughs> do you want to start again? I want to say. <laughs> I, I will give you one more do-over. I would have rehearsed. There has been no rehearsal. This is literally the first time that I have properly looked through this. Also, I had pushed hard for the ability to ad-lib a little bit. Jake was insistent on the fact that I would not be allowed to, <laughs> but I know deep down he would have let me do it on the day. But this will be... Wait, wait, ad lib something that someone has previously yeah. wrote? Just so, so, throwing so a line Jake or two? Was, Jake, was, um, Jake yeah. was somewhat intoxicated, but I also have now just sort of the funny reality that you could say this is for you, oh, JC. Yeah. Big up, JC. <laughs> but yeah, here we go. I'll give it. So, I know that love can be loud and jubilant. I also know that love is a pretty quiet thing. It's lying on the sofa together drinking coffee talking about where you're going to go that morning to drink more coffee. It's folding down pages of books you think they'd find interesting. It's saying, you're safer here than in a car, as they hyperventilate on an easyJet flight to Dublin. It's the text, hope your day goes well. How did today go? Thinking of you today. And pick up the loo roll. Love is a quiet, reassuring, relaxing, pottering, pedantic, harmonious hum of a thing something you can easily reach forget is there even though its palms are outstretched beneath you in case you fall did jake hyperventilate on a flight <laughs> wait who who wrote it uh, dolly alderton so those little inside jokes may or may not have anything to do with well, jake. i mean <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he has hyperventilated on an easy jet flight. I don't know if Jake has even taken an easy jet flight in his life, but oh, he possibly. has. But now, now, Jake, <laughs> what would you have ad libbed? Sorry, what would you have changed? I don't know. I don't even get the first bit. Who drinks coffee Where and then more coffee? Goes to a coffee shop, yeah, to get more coffee. That person is a Shake, psycho. You should flag that person. How about, I also know that love is a pretty quiet thing. It's lying on the sofa, watching you shout racial slurs at unknown teenagers whilst playing Call of Duty. <laughs> and the other one I had was, do, do people just take the empty toilet toilet paper roll and like spike it onto the floor when they're done like in triumph is that a is that a thing wait what 
Doesn't it say that to pick up Need the more empty clarification roll? Yeah. <laughs> Picked up Lou Roll. As in sending a message like... Yeah, I don't know who's spiking <laughs> it. I don't know who's spi- I mean, like, I know... Why is it on the floor? No, 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 as in bought. As in bought, Frank. As in like... <laughs> oh, we okay. As <laughs> in you just texting, hey, my achievement for today was I picked this thing up. I just thought maybe this is an inside joke where Jake, after a really good one, he just spikes the toilet paper onto the ground and walks out in victory. That's entirely <laughs> believable. Just Gronk, just Gronk spikes it. That, that was yeah, a good one. Gronk loves <laughs> that one. But yeah. I mean, there we go. I feel like that was an incredible contribution to their wedding. And I do obviously hope that they have a wonderful life together. And I hope Jake listens to this and thinks, God, my wedding could have been much more exciting had I had Eddie there ad-libbing a bit and doing the reading. And, and maybe Frank there as my hype man, just making comments. Inviting yeah. me, yeah. Next time. <laughs> Next time, Jake. Do you think it was? Now that you're not going, do you think it will be rude if I say, can I still eat their meal? Because I was going to be sending <laughs> Yeah, you could get two extra, two extra meals. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that would be, would that be awkward? Go for it. <laughs> I wonder. Because I guess there'll be a, a gap now because I was going to be sat next Yeah, time. I mean, they had sufficient warning to hopefully work that out. At least you had the bachelor party. I feel yeah. like a lifetime ago. Yeah, no, it's true. I made it to that. I mean, two friends of the podcast, Ollie's as well, failed to, failed to make it to his wedding, but did make it to the bachelor party. I, I think this is my thing now. I think I'm a no wedding, all party guy. <laughs> or is it you get the original invite, then they see your demeanor and behavior at the bachelor party, and they de-invite well, you? Well, <laughs> unless you're telling me that Jake has the pull to reach out to Boris Johnson and change the restrict travel restrictions in the United Kingdom and has done that just to prevent me from easily attending his wedding. Well played. If he does have that ability, probably a waste of that favor. He was that concerned about the oh, Mavericks playing. He's still going to work through that. Yeah. Work through people. You know, God, JC works in mysterious ways. And, <laughs> I can't believe we haven't thought about that. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm sure you've got plenty of weddings, Eddie, to do both of them. I really don't. You know, I don't have that many friends get married, really. So, and I mean, I don't have, I do, at one moment in time, I do want to have the chance to be a best man just because I, I want to go for the speech. I want to apply, you know, I've criticized a lot of. I think speeches at weddings tend to be awful. So I have been a vocal critic of almost every speech that I've ever witnessed at a wedding. And so I would. I can't imagine you being a critic of something. That doesn't seem no, it's your true. character. But hey, you know, former professional speechwriter <laughs> here. So speaking from experience. And, uh, you know, but I, I do. I mean, my, my general world, people go way too long. You know, like, and too many inside jokes, particularly in the best man speech where you're basically telling a speech for the sort of six yeah. or seven good friends who are there and everyone else is just can tell you're making a joke and there's one table laughing somewhere, but everyone else is just trying to thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what it means when you say, you know, that time in Cancun, right? <laughs> no, I don't, but thank you. 
I've done the best man speech and I've also officiated two weddings. So I've got the experience. I've, I've been best man once and usher twice. This will be the second time. So I'm ushering at Jake's wedding. So what would you do differently, Eddie? What would your best man speech? Uh, how would you? So you'd keep it obviously no inside. Jokes, I think you could make. Would you be? Would you be a nice oh, guy? Oh yeah, no, you would gotta you be, be nice. I think the guy who goes up and uses the best man speech as a roast—that's a real asshole move. Like you, you got to go up and. I thought that's very UK though to do that. It it's is more UK. like a roast. It is quite a UK thing, but it shouldn't be because, like Eddie says, like the way you roast people is if your best man is say from school days, it's only going to apply for. 11 to 17 or 11 to 16 of your life and anyone in the room if it's going to apply to university it'll be a select group of people so it doesn't really wash when you've got like the whole life i think it's fine to pick out two or three stories and that you can tell the story so that everyone listening can think it's funny that you don't if you've heard it before you go oh this is one of the great ones but if you've never heard it before, you can you can tell it, and so everyone can enjoy it and see how funny it is, and it can make the person look a bit stupid or whatever. But fundamentally, out of it, you want it to be positive. You don't want it to come away and be like, "This guy is a scumbag." But yeah, I don't know. Maybe I mean, Sam, you're probably my best hope. No pressure. Wow. Really? Or Vasilis, maybe. I mean, okay. Who's? I think uh, Vasilis. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to speak on his behalf. Vasilis also has all his Greek friends and family. I think it would also be very challenging for me to deliver a good best man speech to an audience that is mostly Greek. I think that would be the <laughs> language barrier there might not be worth trying to overcome. All right, I'm your best hope. It might be my only hope. Not to make a Star Wars reference, but. See now, I told you, I told you guys what I wanted to do, right? If like, if I ever get have a wedding at this point, I don't know if we ever will have like an official wedding. Is I want to do just a cocktail hour and have an open mic, and anyone can get up and give like a little thirty second minute toast speech. I've got a good story, like whatever they want to say. I think that's a wonderfully horrific idea. I know. That's why I really enjoy it. Because I can just picture some of the people who will say things. and It'll be great. <laughs> you're going to get people just rambling. Towards the end of it, you're going to get drunk people just going up and really rambling. No, no. It's at the beginning. It's at the beginning. It's just during like the cocktail hour at the beginning of the wedding. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's, a, it's not a bad idea. Like a... Because that way everyone can kind of say a little something and it can be nice for some people who just want to say a story or something. I might want to, I think as a template, not bad. I might want to curate the people who like, I might want to give invite, you know, 30 people. They got to be vetted. Yeah. You have like micro, like microphone (laughs) privileges. If you would like to get up and speak and give them a bit of warning, like, look, this is the thing. There's 30 minutes. There's going to be room for, 10 people to go up and talk quickly. You're one of those people. You don't have to prepare something, but if you do want to get up and tell a funny story, go for it. But you don't want, you know, you run the risk that like someone's date who you've never met gets up and goes, well, this is, this Frank. <laughs> I've got something yeah. to say about tonight. <laughs> I don't think anyone would actually do that, but yeah, I agree. 
there's the risk that someone who don't even know you. Would you ever... Have you ever been to a wedding where they've had like a jewel best man or like a couple of people and they've kind of done like a bit of a tit for tat yes. speech? I, I, I don't mind the idea if they're from different parts of your life because that could be done. It could be well written. I, w- I was a dual best man. I, I haven't been. I haven't been to a dual man best wedding. Or best, best man wedding. Yeah, I was a, a dual, you've been to a dual man wedding, haven't you, Sam? <laughs> it was me and then his cousin was the other best man. And I think, I mean, no offense, but I think I won solely for what Eddie said is that he went first and his speech was about eight minutes. And then I went and my speech was like two minutes and had a bunch of funny little anecdotes that everyone kind of understood and got. And then that was it. I think eight minutes is the absolute maximum. I actually have that as the number. That's crazy long. Over five is, I think, the max. I recommend like a three to six minute speech. I think that gives you enough time to have a, a couple of stories and also just to say, I hope the two of you have a really nice life. You know, like the kind of stuff that you have to throw in, the positive nonsense to so that you wish them well. But I, I think eight is the absolute maximum. If you're a really good, you know, speech giver, I think you can you can go to the eight, and then particularly maybe if you're the eight, if if the father of the bride or someone when it's very meaningful wants to use that as an opportunity. But eight is the absolute maximum. I've been at weddings where the speeches have. At one wedding, I went to a speech where the best man's speech went for 21 minutes. Nope. I don't even care how good the content is past 10. The only thing that was good. That's (laughs) crazy. The only thing that was good about that was that was where they took bets. Everyone put in a pound and you bet on exactly how long the speech was going to be. And I won. So I made 145 pounds out of the speech. How many people were betting this? Like everyone. <laughs> I honestly thought you were going to say So they grand. went round to every table before and said, hey, it's a pound. Just but just like give throw in a number. And pretty much everyone attending did it. Because I mean, it was kind of no reason not to. It was a little bit of fun. And I will say it did lead to... That's not a bad idea. Like a bit of intensity in the room. Because A, everyone has their cell phones out and like starts timing <laughs> when it goes. And then you get people who are like looking checking the stop the stopwatch and kind of figuring out do i have a chance like do i think he's and then you realize i'm out and uh and then even on on my table for example people started to realize i was in with a really good shot of winning so then there kind of became like table support for it ending at a certain moment in time it then led to a whole debate on when did the speech officially start it's like this it's like the national anthem the national debate. anthem Oh, the national like, when did it Super really Bowl, start? Yeah. When was it officially over? Like, if they've done a toast, is it over when the kind of you know, like when he says cheers? Is it over when people have stopped kind of drinking? You know, like what is the? It's over when people have started clapping. I also yeah. like the idea that I'd as a, a person loses, they kind of start to boo. <laughs> you know that now that they've lost, like boo. Yeah, just once every minute. You just yeah, he's trying to do a speech, and once a minute, you just hear someone going ah. But no, I actually thought that was a good idea. I would steal that myself, and also, I mean, the person giving the speech was also aware of it. I will say they kept it to obviously their time. There was advice given that he had. There was some kind of form shared with every table which was this person has given a speech before at a wedding 
and it was very long. Like that information. So everyone was going like 12 plus minutes on it. But yeah. Okay. So yeah, I don't know if Jake will listen to this before, but to either have a good weekend, Jake, or I hope you had a good weekend, Jake. I hope, be one of those reactions. I hope he's, when Wait, he's Sam, are you not going either? Yeah, but... No. Yeah, yeah, I'm going. But he's saying as if he's person. at the moment. <laughs> yeah, but now that he's... No, no, I'm not just... Yeah, I only talk on podcasts to people. <laughs> I hope that he's sitting, like, morning of the wedding, listening to this. You know, he's got... He's got his little wedding jitters going, maybe a little bit of cold feet. He's thinking, am I making the biggest mistake of my life? And then my advice would be, just run, Jake. <laughs> run. It's not too late. <laughs> run as fast as you can. You still get out. <laughs> just hop on that Eurostar to Paris. I'll meet you at the station. I know. Should we make a uh, smooth transition then from Jake's big day to our NFL picks? Yeah, or you could say Jake Fromm's big day, who will be the starting quarterback for the Giants this week. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which who's there we go. who's having a bigger who's having a big which Jake is having more of a moment? Mm, good question. Yes, <laughs> it, it is a tough one. <laughs> but yeah, now um, before we move on to our picks, I guess I'll give our weekly summary of how things were gone. I will say. This week, Frank, you you stopped the bleeding. Uh, you didn't hit it out of the park, but you definitely maybe signs of life have reappeared. So I think I did I shitty went, though in the afternoon. Like yes. as the games went on, I got worse. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. both you and I were doing very well on the early games. Um, so all three, actually, all three of us in the early games had identical records. So we'd all, we all went, um, we all got two wrong in the early games, both money line and against the spread. And interestingly enough, the, like we got it wrong money line and against the spread on the same. So all three of us had picked the Vikings and both money line against the spread. So oh. that was a loss. You and Sam both took the Bengals to win and minus three. So those were your other two losses. Oh. And I took the Giants to win and the Giants plus four. So, but... Whereas that was not a good pick, Eddie. Well, in the same way that the Bengals weren't a good pick either, Frank. <laughs> so, and then <laughs> in the uh, the late slate, we all none of us did well, but at least Sam had uh, Washington, so he kind of and, oh, and the Patriots and the Patriots, right? Yeah. yeah, and and you did the worst because oh. you know you also took the Broncos plus ten against the Chiefs. Mm. So to then close. summarize where we were, yeah, summarize where we ended up. I went eight and six money line and against the spread. I actually I had a week where I either got the game perfectly correct or I got the game absolutely wrong. There wasn't a single game where I got the against the spread right and the money line wrong, if you see what I mean. Which is kind of interesting because I picked, you know, a couple of upsets. And those were outright winners. But yeah. So then we have Frank, you went eight and six money line and seven and seven against the spread. And then Sam went All right, five hundred. Sam went ten and four money line and ten and four against the spread. 
which means that the overall rate rankings money line frank you're in third place at 114 80 and one i'm in second place at 120 73 and one and sam is in first place at 123 70 and one and then against the spread frank you are in third place at 97 96 and one i am in second place at 98 95 and one and Sam is in the lead as also there at 102, 92, and 1. Shit, how are we letting Sam start to win now? These these feelings. <laughs> it's these feelings. Washington with a feeling. Actually, were the Patriots or Washington? Maybe they were both feelings. I'm not worried about you. Don't get me started on that Patriots game. In no way should a professional sports game be played in those conditions. That is the dumbest thing oh, on yeah. the planet. I love it when we get to the time of the year where you have your anti-weather rants. Uh, <laughs> it's like this is exactly right, but, what happened. But, but here, here's, here's my comparison. When the Chiefs played the Packers and Aaron Rodgers didn't play, the complaint was, oh, well, the Packers aren't going to be good because they can't pass the ball because they don't have Aaron Rodgers. In the same sense, when you have a Bills team that throws the ball 80% of the time, when you make it so impossible to even make a five-yard pass, you're taking away that entire team. Like, it's it's so unfair. It's it's the dumbest isn't, thing ever. It, isn't, isn't that the Bills' fault, though? Because they should have thought about the passing game and the weather. So isn't it the Packers' fault that Aaron Rodgers got hurt? No, like the, no, but I do think get hurt. Like, I do think no. Sam's argument is a little bit more sophisticated than that. Sam's saying like if you are a team based in an area of the world where you are likely to have a cold, cold part of the games, U.S., then maybe it's worth building a team that is capable of playing in those conditions. Like the Packers, for example, are or, famous for. You know, building a team that it, that can kind of survive the cold conditions of Lambeau, it does appear as if the Bills have basically thought that they were the Saints and built their team accordingly. And I mean, if they have, or you just build you build a stadium with a dome, and then you don't have to worry about the team you build. I like the I like being exposed to the element. I, I disagree with you so much. No. I love when the weather comes into play. I love watching a field goal kicker miss a field goal because the wind just you, whips it away. You like watching that game. That was the shittiest game I've, I've seen all week. I thought it was fascinating. That was the worst one by far. I thought it was fascinating. It was awful. Yeah, it's fascinating. No, 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 because the, the, the difference between shitty and fascinating isn't the same thing, right? Because like fascinating means that it's awkward to watch, but it's still interesting because of it, and it's always going to be close. But shitty, it wasn't. It shitty. wasn't. It wasn't a great game, but I think it, it, you know, you, sometimes the elements turn it into a real game of chess. And and once again, what you see is Bill Belichick. If if a game of football gets turned into a game of chess, you know, he's Bobby Fischer. So, you know, I. I don't mind that. I wouldn't like that if that was every week, every game. No, it would get boring. But as a knowing that two or three times a year you're going to see a game played in really testing conditions, and then you see how, for example, I thought it was interesting to see that Josh Allen still actually, because of his arm strength, could kind of handle the conditions. Like he he had some pretty good throws versus Mac Jones, who only had three attempts, and they just shut him down and we're going to win with the run game. I found that interesting. Like that's an you know, yes, they couldn't. I mean, they still threw the ball like 30 times, the Bills. 
they threw the ball in those conditions more than some teams throw the ball on a in a dome. For like 85 yards. Well, that's their own. That's, I mean, <laughs> they're throwing it for like three yard passes. Well, and they also had one really bad drop, which would have changed the game, right? I mean, I mean, I don't understand how you can't say that game was terrible when one play accounted for 50% of the yards. One run was 50% of all the yards gained in the entire game. See, this is the thing is, because you have this in every sport. It's like saying, how can you watch a nil-nil in football and find it interesting? And there are some cultures where that isn't the case. And I think Americans generally struggle with low-scoring sporting events. Because for the most part, American sports are pretty high-scoring. I think it's always... I do think that... This is my anti-American rant of the day... I do think Europeans have an easier time thinking, oh, this was a real tactical battle. And I get to appreciate Yeah, low scoring is I tactical, get to appreciate a different it. side but- of the sport versus watching Josh Allen just sling it around and oh, it was 49-42. Cool, but That's fine. No, no, I, I don't have an issue with that. I don't have an issue if in a game it's a what 12-9 win. There's a difference between being tactical and having a low-scoring game versus not being able to even run plays because there's an external force preventing you from even running a standard play. That's not being tactical. That's that's saying, like, I want to throw this ball, but the wind is so bad that we can't even run a standard pass play. Like, that's not tactics to me. That's that's just out external forces that are controlling too much of the game. Like, I don't care if it's a 0-0 soccer match, but in the same sense, if the ball was stuck in, oh, like, wrong. in the midfield, you're like, wrong. literally, like, it. with glue. I love it. Like, if didn't it was you glue, see, it, didn't you see that I couldn't it's move great. it. Didn't you see that goal was, that was scored in, like, League 2 a couple of weeks ago where, like, it's a waterlogged pitch, and they just go and play a pass, and the ball just literally stops, and then they're through on goal because of it, and then there's a moment when, like, the player through on goals sort of overruns the ball and falls over and like when it should be a tap in. I love it. I, I, I like the elements becoming coming into play. It's comedy. It's comedy. It's it's it, it, it's kind of like not unnatural, but it's something you don't expect to happen. And because it makes it unpredictable, it makes it interesting. And yeah, it, I wouldn't say it was shitty, like I said, but it's just interesting. It's different. It's it's against. And you're definitely this is where you're Mr. Negative. You know, normally I'm Mr. Negative. I think most people wake up on a Sunday and when it's like NFL game day or something and it cuts to one of the stadium and there's snow falling and there's snow coating the field, I think most people get excited. They go, oh, wow, we're going to get a snow game. This is going to be interesting. You're the Grinch in this moment. Who goes, I don't want to see snow. I don't want to see snow. Snow's doable, though. I mean, you can have... It was the wind, I think, that made it just crazy. Between the combo of the snow and the wind, made that game almost unplayable. Would you have been saying the same thing if the Bills won? No. <laughs> Would you have been like, "Wow, the Bills can win in any condition"? It is true that no, I probably wouldn't have. Been part of that. the issue here is that it it made the Patriots look better. Yeah, like, and it makes Bill Belichick look better. And it makes the Bills, I mean, serious question marks to be asked. And I guess we can address those because they, they'll they have a big test this weekend. And maybe that's the way of us moving on to our picks. But yeah, they're going to be sure. tested on Sunday. And, and there's going to be big question marks about how good are the Bills. 
All right. Well, let's get started then. So um, first off is the Steelers at the Vikings. And the Vikings are three and a half point favorites. So uh, they finally gave the Lions the W. The Steelers aren't very good, but seemingly aren't going away. This is an interesting one. I feel like it should be so easy to take that Vikings line, but the Steelers just aren't going away. What, 6-5-1? and one. They're playing badly, but they just hang around in games. Uh, I'm, I'm really struggling with this one, so I'm keen on you two. Oh, I can't take the Steelers. I just don't see enough. Wait, are you refusing to pick Sam? What is that? Yeah, I'm refusing to pick. I no, no, no. I'm setting a scene and then he realizes, asking for insight. He realizes he's in the lead, so he wants some information before. <laughs> yeah, it's no. Okay, okay, okay. I tell you what, I'll, I'll I'll pick first. Then I know what you're gonna say, Eddie. In terms of like, I think you're going for the Vikings. Oh, see, so waited now. Oh, because... I see, Mister no, Bandwagon. No, it's because it's because when you look at the stats, when you look at the stats of both games, right? The Steelers were had no possession. It was all about the defense. They only took the lead with like two minutes left. Whereas when you look at the Vikings, right? They still, I think they still outgained. They still hit what like 420 yards or something like that against the. The Lions, it was still good offensive play from them. And I feel like the inconsistency of the Vikings will probably mean that maybe this will be a good one for them. It's in the dome. So yeah, I'm gonna I will take I'm gonna take the Vikings into cover. It's a bit of a difficult one because it's hard to trust them. I mean, they're inconsistent and when they're bad, they're really bad, even within a game. I mean, we saw that in the I don't think we really reacted to the Vikings Lions game on the podcast. It felt like we discussed it so much off podcast that last episode we didn't I don't think we really even mentioned it, but you know, in that first half they were terrible in the second half. They kind of wiped the floor with the lions, but it was, it shouldn't have been too little too late, but it turned out it was too little too late. So I find it hard, but I, I just think that the Vikings offense is probably going to be too much that as long as they turn up for at least a half, they'll score enough points to win this one. So I'm going to take the Vikings to win into cover, but yeah, we didn't, I don't think we really spoke about the Vikings game last time single worst defensive play you've ever seen? I mean, single worst defensive series, maybe. And we had that argument, what, in week three or four about teams scoring a touchdown with a minute left and no timeouts. And that could have been the first one I've seen all year. And I think maybe they had one. They might have had one timeout. I don't know for sure. I think they had one. It was maybe a little over. But still... There in no way, shape, or form should that team have ever driven down the field so easily. I mean, and it's not like this is the Bucks or the Packers. It's the Detroit Lions with Jared Goff that just well, cruise down the field. Well, the thing I also and at what point? What, what bothers me? Sorry, real quick. I was going to say like what bothers me is at what point, being a defense, do you not start to see like oh crap? They've only they only need thirty more yards, twenty more yards. Like I get it if it's. 30 seconds and they're on their own 20. Okay. Play super prevent. They have a minute. You can get eight plays in a minute. If they get 15 yards of play, they'll drive right down the field. Like you don't have to be a genius to realize this. Yeah. Plus it, once you get yourself to the 30, 35, you're starting to say, we have a realistic, if, even if we've got one play left, we've got a realistic chance. We then also run the risk of pass interference and getting another shot from either, you know, the one yard line, if it's in the end zone or somewhere else. I didn't get that. The thing that also blew my mind about that is the way they'd managed to come back in that game was by blitzing and getting pressure on Goff 
And then you get to the end of the game and where it's like, well, we've been able to get pressure on him on every possession in the second half. Let's not get any pressure on him. I think they had one moment on that drive where they did send the house and actually it kind of was a positive play for the defense. But yeah, every other time they're just giving him all day in the pocket to try and pick someone out and with a prevent defense where someone was open every time. And then on the final play, I genuinely do not know what the safety and the defensive back was doing. Like, I don't, they, I, I just, I don't get it. And they called a timeout before that play. They called a time, like the, the yeah. Vikings called a timeout to try and prepare better. And then clearly said to them, like, I'll give them a massive cushion, let them get a couple yards into the end zone. And then right when golf is throwing it, try and close them down as quickly as possible and hope that either you're way faster than we thought you were, or he just drops it because this is our only chance. Yeah. Uh, it, when you watch the play, it's as if, they think to score a touchdown, you don't need to cross the goal line. You need to go five yards into the end zone. I mean, the amount of cushion they were giving them just didn't make sense. He had a seven-yard cushion while he was on the, the goal line. I mean, what what are you doing there? I, I don't know. That was, yeah, that's got to be and, and the other reason frustrating the, as a Vikings fan. The other reason why I then find it hard to understand is because sometimes you go, oh, it was a mix-up. They were picking up someone else, but there's no one else. There's two players who have just no. decided I'm just going to take away space. Like, yeah. Why? Like, what from? I mean, but anyway, Frank, what's your pick for this game? Then, I mean, we know it. You're going to take the Vikings. You hate the Steelers. There's no way you take them. You're taking the Vikings. You're taking them to cover. Yeah. Well, Adam Thielen is out, which is a big loss for the Vikings. But Dalvin Cook's supposed to play, so that's good. The Steelers. I mean, don't be fooled by the record. The most telling stat here is the Vikings on a point differential are plus three. The Steelers are minus 42. They are not a good team. So I'll take the Vikings to recover here and hope that they didn't take that loss too poorly and react to it instead of just crumbling to it. So I'll take the Vikings to win the cover. Uh, Falcons at the Panthers and the Panthers are two and a half point favorites. Um, again, this is difficult. I know Eddie's ruled about Christian McCaffrey and I think the Panthers are two and five. Uh, I think I saw, but the interesting thing is again, looking at kind of the last game was that the, the Panthers have got like the, the, the number one defense against the pass. And I looked at the stats with the Falcons game against the Bucks, and there was this really interesting stat that the Falcons didn't actually run the ball inside the Bucks 42 until the final two minutes in the game, which which shows me as like a massively running shy team against a good pass rush team. So I, I've never really liked the Falcons this year, to be completely honest. So I Christian McCaffrey still out. I'm still going to take the Panthers. So I'll take them to win and cover. I'll be quick. I've got my rule. Don't take the Panthers without McCaffrey. But McCaffrey taking the Falcons. Does that mean they're losing every remaining game, though, according to you? Quite possibly, yeah. I don't know their schedule off the top of my head. I might change... Jets, uh, there, Giants. There are, te- there are teams where I might take... <laughs> no, they already lost to the Giants. There are, there are teams where I might consider them, obviously. But not knowing their schedule, I'll... I'll I'll say I would be completely blindly say, yes, they will lose every remaining game. You know what? You know what? 
it's it's kind of pointless, right? They've got the Falcons coming up, then they've got the Bills, the Bucks, the Saints, and the Bucks. Yep, yep. <laughs> so they're losing every game. It's pretty easy. It's <laughs> yeah. pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy. Yeah, I, I'm with Eddie. No, no McCaffrey, no win, and then also Cordell Patterson on the other side. If he's healthy, take the take the Falcons. So both of those are in play. So I'll go with the Falcons. All right, next up is the Ravens at the Browns, and the Browns have opened up favorites um, at two and a half points. This is a tough one because the Browns are favored, but the Ravens just beat the Browns, was that, two, three weeks ago? I feel like it was recent. Uh, six, it was a close game, 16 to 10, but I don't see anything changing. I know the Ravens are losing players left and right, but I'll still take the Ravens to sweep the Browns this year, so I'll take the Ravens with the points. I'll probably end up regretting it, but I'm going to take the Browns. I just think that the Ravens are so depleted at this point. And, and Lamar Jackson still doesn't look right. Whatever his mystery illness was or is, he clearly hasn't fully recovered. So that combined with the fact that they're, their players are dropping like flies, I'll take the Browns. Yeah, the, the Ravens were pretty inefficient, right? Especially with the red zone and the the Steelers came up with a couple of picks, but also they didn't help themselves because the number of penalties they gave away last time out. So they've just come off a bye as well, the Browns, right? They didn't play last week, if I remember right. So I don't know. I think the line opened up at about one as well. It was about one, one and a half. So the fact that it's over looking at two and a half now, it's kind of a poor logic, but it makes me think that something's up there or something's known. So I think I agree with you, Eddie. I think I'm going to take the Browns and cover. Uh, next up is the Cowboys at Washington and the Cowboys are four and a half point favorites. I'll be quick here. This is the line. I, this is the line of the week. I probably really don't get. I know that the Cowboys have been struggling to win recently. But I mean, and I know that Washington are having this famous purple patch, but I, they look awful. Even when they win, they look absolutely awful. And the Cowboys, I mean, so much is dependent on who's available for them at wide receiver at times, but, and their run game. The Cowboys don't look good either. It's very difficult for me to understand what has happened to them because there were things that they were very good at in the first six or seven games of the year that they are now very, very bad at. Their run games disappeared. Their defense doesn't look very good. Like They look like two totally different teams, and it's difficult to understand why. But at the same time, I just this Washington team's not good, so I'm, I'm taking the Cowboys to win into cover. Yeah, I'm right with Eddie. Washington, whatever, whatever you want to call it, a winning streak, a purple patch, it's the ugliest of purple patches that I've ever seen, even though I've never seen a purple patch. But the Cowboys are a much better roster. Dak Prescott versus Taylor Heineke, it's not even a comparison. And this could be a game. I, Eddie's right. I don't know what's going on with the Cowboys in particular. They haven't looked as good as they did early in the year. But this is a great game for them to maybe get back on track and put up 35 plus and have a super efficient offense. And I think that's what they're going to do here. I wouldn't be surprised as if a little bit of a blowout. I'm going Washington. <laughs> it's been, it's been a doing. Okay. So I don't think the Cowboys have been that convincing. Like you both said, I don't know what's going on with them at the moment, but you look at when they beat the saints and you actually think that a lot of that win was done more by the defensive takeaways they had. I think it was four in that game. 
they really only, I think they only outgained the Saints by like 20 yards and they've got a lot of problems on their side of things as well. But also when you look at the Cowboys in the last seven weeks in a row, They've allowed over 100 rushing yards. What are Washington doing well at the moment? Antonio Gibson's rushing really well. Yeah, but it's kind of like it. they're giving away a lot of yards somewhere where at least Washington are doing damage at the moment or at least do, playing well. And Washington, for like, we've spoken about the, the last four or five weeks have actually been pretty easy for them. But all of those weeks, they've restricted them to below 250 yards of offense, like all of the teams. Yeah, I'm going with it. I'm going with Washington and cover. Uh, next up is Jaguars at the Titans, and this is an absolute. Uh, this is the easy one, of the easiest ones actually. I, I think the Titans will win this and, and cover. I, I don't think the Jags have got anything here to do. Anything. I mean, I guess yeah. I, I'm I'm going to take the the Titans to win and to cover, but I don't until they have wide receivers and running backs back. I still don't totally trust them. But this Jags team looks awful. I mean, this is a Titans team that lost to the Jets. So I don't think we can rule out the possibility that they could just have an absolute stinker and, and this could be the, the kind of the game of the week that takes down people's, you know, accumulators or parlays or whatever else if you're still a survivor. But I, I'll, I'll take the Titans, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be stunned if this ended up being either close enough that they stay within the spread or even if the Jags did spring a, a surprise. Yeah, the Titans have lost their last two and haven't looked good neither, but then you watch the Jags just get absolutely thrashed, thromped even by the Rams. So they're it's not as if they're the Lions and they're a competitive team. They've looked pretty poor the last few weeks. So I'll take the Titans to win to cover, but I agree. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they don't have many weapons left on offense. So, although I thought Julio Jones is off injured reserve, so he might play. I thought I saw what well, we'll see. And, you know, actually I have to, I'm going to throw this onto this game. I find very little compelling about this. I, the only reason you could say it's maybe a little bit interesting is because the Titans are going to be in the playoffs. So kind of keeping track of where how exactly they're performing is relevant. But fundamentally, there's there's nothing really to like about this game. Trevor Lawrence, by the way, has more interceptions than he does touchdown passes 14 games into the season. Not a good look. No, but then Peyton Manning did the same. But not a bad look when it's only when it's only ten interceptions, which is the sad part. Yeah. yeah. Um, Raiders at the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are ten point favorites. Um, interesting stat I saw about this one is that the Raiders are um, one and four against the spread at home, but they're four and three against the spread as the underdog. So. Curious which one. I mean, for me, this is easy. I'm, I'm going with the Chiefs and to cover because, and it's less to do with a vote of confidence for the offense. It's just meant it's just the complete turnaround we've seen with the Chiefs' defense at the moment. They were letting 29 points a game in the first seven. Now they're letting 11. So I just think it will be that that carries them again. So do I think the Chiefs will score more than kind of 20? Yes. So um, I'll take them to cover. I'm going to take the Chiefs to win. I'm going to take the Raiders with the points. Uh, I don't don't trust this Chiefs offense enough. I mean, that's their big question mark to really 
score a ton. And, and this Raiders team is capable. I mean, we've seen that. They're kind of, they can be scary. You just don't know which version they fall into that category again. You just don't know which version is going to turn up. So I'd be a little bit scared of this one in some ways, just because the Chiefs remain unconvincing and this Raiders team can be very good. And they've actually played well against the Chiefs in recent seasons, even when the Chiefs have been very, very good. But I'll, I'll take the Chiefs to win and, and the Raiders with the points. Yeah, the I'm going to take the Chiefs to win and to cover. So here's the Chiefs' last five games. This is kind of what Eddie's getting towards. is Their offense hasn't been that great, so they've only scored 20 points, 13 points, 19 points, 22 points, but then... In one of those games, they scored 41 points, and that was when they played the Raiders. So it seems as if their offense isn't doing as well until they play the crappy defense that is the Raiders, who have been just giving up points left and right. Um, 41 of the Chiefs, 32 to the Bengals, 30-plus to the Cowboys. So I can see the Chiefs again putting up 35-plus, and I don't think that Raiders offense right now can can stay with them. So I'll take the, the Chiefs to blow them out here. Uh, Saints at the Jets, and the Saints are five-and-a-half-point favorites. This was a close contender for the game I don't want to see a second of. But, you know, in actual fact... Don't, don't want to see either of them. Double whammy for week 14. <laughs> double whammy. Exactly. They're the rare double whammy. Uh, you know, the season is coming to an end, and I want to see even less of it. But... I'll take the Saints to win into cover just because of who the Jets are. I'm torn. I, I think the Saints look really bad. I don't actually know which side of the Saints I dislike more. They they give away a huge amount of defense. They're pretty terrible with kind of how often they turn the ball over as well. And they're not even scoring that much or putting that much yardage up as well. The Jets were completely uncompetitive in the second half against the Eagles, but actually did pretty okay for the first half. Um, they give up way too many yards. I think it was 400 yards in like half of their last 12 or something like that. So they're going to, if they do it again, it's pretty bad. But I actually really want to take the Jets. I haven't, I don't think I've done it all season. Not many of us have, but yeah, I'm going to take, no, I'm going to take the Saints, but the Jets to keep it close. I don't have much on this. I think when in doubt, bet against the Jets because they're terrible. So I'll take the Saints to win and Saints to cover. Seahawks are the Texans, and the Seahawks are eight and a half point favorites. Oh, Is it a triple whammy? It's a rare triple. They they thought it would never happen. But I actually don't think it's over yet. It might not be. <laughs> it might not be over. Turns out I might not like Triple whammy. <laughs> I might not watch the NFL this yeah. weekend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Arby, I mean, the Seahawks look better, obviously, against the Niners. The Texans continue to look really bad. I'll take the Seahawks to win into cover, but I don't trust this Seahawks team at all. Yeah, agreed. I'll take Seahawks to win, Seahawks to cover. Uh, when in doubt, bet against a shitty Texans team. I guess that's another <laughs> phrase you could use here. Uh, yep, easy one. Seahawks had a bit of life in them. Um, curious whether you're going to... 
do the same noise four times in a row. Well, four times. Lions are the Broncos, and the Broncos are 10-point favourites. Yeah, it's not a good game. The the extremely rare quadruple ram whammy yeah, never heard before on the Big Chill podcast. Need, Four of the last nine games have been. We might need we might need uh, reverse it and start having a sound bite for games that are actually interesting. But yeah, um, I'll take the Broncos to win. I'll take the Broncos to cover. I. They have been pretty efficient at beating bad teams over the course of this season. That's kind of how they keep themselves relevant. And because their defense is just good enough and their offense is just good enough to kind of do the job when the opposition is really bad. But it, they're also a difficult team to trust. But yeah, I'll take them to win and to cover. The Lions are 8-4 and four against the spread, which is pretty good. So, uh, And the Broncos team to me is not that great. So... They've got confidence. They got a big win against the worst defensive performance in a final drive. Maybe that'll fuel them to at least keep this close. I'll take the Lions to cover. I'm even a little torn just to take them to win, get on a win streak. Let's take them on a winning streak. I I don't have much faith in the Broncos. Their team is mediocre at best. So I'm going to take Lions to win and Lions with the points. I mean... The Lions have covered like five of the spreads in the last six weeks, but I, I think all those spreads have been pretty high. <laughs> so, like, I just said they're eight and four against well, exactly. the spread. So no, I, I'm, <laughs> I I'm agreeing with you. No, I'm just agreeing <laughs> with you from my notes. Um, no, I, I still think they're pretty bad. So I'll take the Broncos on cover. Giants at the Chargers, and the Chargers are ten point favorites. I'll tell you what, this isn't far off making it a fifth. But it's a close, it's a close one. <laughs> you know, the t- get out of here. There, it's a potential playoff team, I, I, and the Chargers. I, I threw in a playoff certainty into the mix with the with the Titans. So, um, I'll take the Chargers to win into cover. You know, the, the Giants are are, but they are who we thought they were, and they're just not that good. And there's nothing that's that good about them. They're kind of bottom of the pack and pretty much everything and that's not a good place to be and this Chargers team as unreliable as they are they started to get a little bit of their rhythm back on offense last week who knows whether or not they'll be able to continue that two weeks in a row but I think they'll just have too much firepower even if they're not at their best yeah you have Jake Fromm who's supposedly going to be starting for the Giants as they've been training at the University of Arizona down here in Tucson right now, which I haven't had a chance to see them, but I don't know if I even want to watch them practice because if they practice half as good as they play, it's atrocious. So I can't bet Jake Fromm to do anything. And in an alternate universe, Herbert came out a year early and with the number two pick, the Giants took Herbert and he could be a giant right now. So I'm going to take the what-if scenario, and I'll take the Chargers to win and Herbert to go over 400 yards. Yeah, I've got not much to add. I think uh, last time out was seeing the Chargers that were kind of better at the start of the year. Although, interestingly enough, the Chargers haven't won back-to-back games since the start of the year. So um, I guess this theoretically means that they're due not to win this one, but I can't take that against the Giants. So I'll take them into cover as well. 
game of the week. Uh, Bills are the Bucks, and the Bucks are three point favorites. Yeah, I think it's probably the game of the week. Um, two teams who could play each other in the playoffs, maybe. Although, I think I'm losing confidence in that with every passing week. I mean, I, I think the Bills' Super Bowl chances, which I felt pretty good about a few weeks into the season, I'm starting to think that they just aren't there. And what's worrying for the Bills is you start to get to that moment where is their window closing? If coming into this season, you thought they were in a pretty straightforward division and they were head and shoulders above everyone else. And then now you start to think, well, the Patriots seem to be back on track. And could we be in another position where suddenly the Bills will start missing out on the playoffs because the Patriots are going to have, you know, 14 and four seasons and the Bills aren't going to be good enough to keep up? Uh, I'll take the Bucks. As much as their issues in the secondary concern me against a pass heavy team, but I just haven't seen anything from the Bills lately to think that they could beat a good team. And in a way, I hope they prove me wrong in this one because I don't want to go into the playoffs with not feeling good about a lot of the teams. So, and also, it's interesting if the 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 race with between them and the Patriots, if that goes to the very end of the season, and also is just an interesting storyline to follow. But yeah, I'll, I'll err on the side of caution with this one, I think, and, and take the take the Bucks. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with the Bucks as well and to cover. We we've already spoken about the kind of the the Bills Patriots game, but it is kind of funny that one of the Bills' strengths is kind of that the kind of cold and where they are can be an advantage to them. I guess unless they play someone that also is absolutely fine with the cold weather as well. But what's interesting about it as well is that the the Bills talking about consecutive wins with the Chargers, like the Bills have now gone like seven wins, uh, seven weeks without consecutive wins as well. So when you're when you're suddenly talking about a Super Bowl team and they kind of lose one win, one maybe lose a couple in a row to bad teams, suddenly this kind of spot in the AFC is really um, precarious for them. They're basically clinging on to playoffs at the moment. So this feels like a must win game for them, and I just. I just think the way that Tom Brady kind of demolished the Falcons with kind of four touchdowns and the fact that the Bucks are on a three-game winning streak, I just think they're better than the Bills, to be honest. So I'll take the three-point line at home. Eddie, do you have the soundbite for the we aren't who they thought they were? Because that's starting to feel about the Bills right now. They just, they're inconsistent. Sam's right. They, I think literally their last seven games have been win-loss, win-loss. So it's frustrating. But Sam also touched on a point that this is kind of a must-win game. And if they want to have a chance in staying competitive with the Patriots, they have to perform here. So there's either going to be them come out, mistake-free football, put up a good score and beat them, or this is the start of their fall. I'm going to go with the former and think that they come out here and they kick on all cylinders and they win this game. So I'll take the Bills to win. Also worth noting, this is the team that Tom Brady has beaten the most number of times in his career. He is 32 and three against the bills. They were, they were kind of always terrible, right? Until they were, but I mean, even when you compare that, so for some context, I mean, all of those have happened as a Patriot. He was 24, he is 24 and 12 against the Dolphins, for example. 
and 29 and 7 against the Jets. So, you know, that 32 and 3 stands out even in a division that had where the teams were bad a lot of the time. Yeah. Great transition, too, Eddie, to the Packers and the Bears. Wait, you want to do that one now? Or. <laughs> 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 I was just taking well, the guess one, that that was one what more. would be next. <laughs> we got one more. Ten. And it's the um, afternoon game. Uh, oh, and it's close. Wait, it's a good one. It's the 49ers at the Bengals. And the 40, 49ers are one it's of the game favorites. Um, I'll side with Niners Nation. I'm just going to take. I, I don't trust this Bengals team. I haven't trusted them all year. I actually think I've done pretty well on my picks in siding against them more often than the two of you have. And until they start to show me some degree of consistency, I'll just I'll just take the Niners and assume that the Niners can can run all over them. I will say, isn't it, it's such a massive shame. This is one of those times when it feels like the NFL really messed it up in terms of the balance between the the afternoon games and the early games. Because you, you got better mm-hmm. you've got two games that are very, very interesting in the in the group at the end and even you know giants chargers you still have the element of of like seeing the chargers and seeing where they are and then in the early games you have so many duds yeah i i'm gonna actually side with cincy sam nation and i'm gonna go with the Bengals here i just think they're better quarterback and better overall team i did wasn't there an injury to Burrow's little finger though that was under like observation? I haven't actually seen anything about it, but I understand he kind of in his throwing arm he hurt his pinky. But I'm guessing the one and a half point line means that it's close enough because I doubt that the Bengals or the 49ers, or the Bengals wouldn't have opened up as like four point favorites in this anyway. So I doubt it. But I mean, there's two teams that basically messed up a good opportunity in their kind of divisionals of sorts last time out. Um, obviously. Um, the Bengals losing to the Chargers and um, the 49ers losing to the Seahawks. But I just think the Bengals turned the ball ball over like four times in the Chargers game. And I, I just think the Bengals are kind of that inconsistent, like they're going to have a lot of points and they're going to have a bad game. They had their bad game, so I'm going to say they're going to have a good one. So yeah, I'm taking the Bengals into cover. Uh, Bears-Packers. Packers, 12.5 point favorites. Pretty easy one, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously... Frank has referred or alluded to the fact that uh, Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears, as he pointed out earlier in the season. Yeah, I'll take the Packers to win to cover this Bears team. Not good. And the Packers team, you know, when they are fit and healthy and when Aaron Rodgers is playing, they look like one of the best teams in the, in the league. So I'll take the Packers to win and to cover. Yep. Nothing else from me. Agreed. Okay. Same. uh rams cardinals and the cardinals two and a half point favorites i gotta say this is gonna surprise frank maybe another line of the week i do not get i don't know who's watching this cardinals team and watching this rams team and thinking that the cardinals are two and a half point favorites genuinely don't get it so I'm, i'm taking the cardinals to win and to cover but i would have Oh, oh, wait, are you saying the Cardinals half, should be five higher favorites. favorites? Five and a half? That's what I mean. Like, Oh, okay, okay. 
I was going to say, we at, need at, at some point, we, Eddie, you've got to start to respect the no, Cardinals. No, this is why I'm saying the Rams are the better team. My take that, I mean, I just, you know, I'm not getting fooled by the Rams beating a bad team. You know, that's not, we've, we've seen that from teams throughout the course of the season where you kind of think, oh, here we go. They're, they're finding their feet again because they're able to put in a good performance. And we said it, right? I mean, we spoke about it last week where we said the Rams will come out probably and win this game 40 to 10. And that's pretty much what they did. But I, yeah, I'm on, until they show me that they can do something against a good team, there's no way I'm taking them against anyone who's decent. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this. I, th- I think it, it's kind of a reaction to the fact that, I, I think I read that someone called it the uh, like a real complete performance from the Rams, both sides of the ball. And it's like, yeah, but they're playing the Jags. <laughs> it's like, great. Uh, I'd rather take a team that's got like Murray and Hopkins back. And um, even if the Cardinals didn't look like they put much yardage up, I think it was only like 257 against the Bears. They scored four times. They scored 33 points. They keep doing what they're doing. They keep defending. Um, I think they got Andy Dalton like four times. So I, I think it'll be fine against the Rams as well. And I think they'll win. So yeah, I'm taking the Cardinals into cover. Yeah, Eddie's completely right. The Rams are two and four against teams over 500. They're when they play stiff competition, they're not living up to it. And two of those, both of those wins were really early in the season where maybe they just had a head start on other teams. So I, I'm with you, both of you. I'm going to take the cards to win, cards to cover. All right, that wraps up the week. Not the, not the best slate of games, but still a few good ones in there. Sometimes it's nice too, because it makes me allow to focus less on red zone and more on sort of two or three games that I, I really want to see. I guess uh, speaking of something that might be uncompetitive, but that I'm actually watching the Ashes, Sam, your your optimism. Uh, I think oh. I think the only way England are squeak, squeaking out some draws is if the rain really starts to fall in Australia. Summer Australia, <laughs> summertime Famed Australia. Famed for the massive you know, downpours. Of course. I mean, you know, I, I said straight out that England need a fast start and they, they got it, right? They decided to skittle themselves out at breakneck speed. Uh, I mean, I, I just turned it on. I watched that ball. It was so strange the way he, he stepped over from the leg side. And it's just like, you've this is moronic. And I just turned it off. It, it, it was just that, that. That was exactly where England needed to just kind of like hold four, have the first session, lose maybe a single wicket. I, yeah, it, it's terrible. And then obviously, Head coming out and, and scoring so well, Labuschagne scoring so well. It looks pretty ominous for England now. So I said that England now have a couple of draws. I'm pretty much doubting that now. I think at some point there will be a draw. <laughs> okay. That's my. I saw I was going for 3 0. I've gone through 3 0, probably looking at 4 0 now. <laughs> I don't see where the draw is coming. I think England have a better chance of just picking up a test. And I mean, the, the, obviously, the talking point is having left Broad and. and and Anderson out, which kind of feels like England almost kind of forfeited this one in some respects, which was a bit of a weird move. Uh, I'm going to say, and I hate attacking someone's appearance, but if if Rory Burns is going to have that hair, he either has to score runs or take catches, preferably both. But you can't make that kind of, you can't have that statement and get out first ball of the test. And then also drop a relatively straightforward ca- catch yesterday. And what was a moment, I mean, England in their bowling yesterday bowled actually fairly well and had the opportunities where they could have come out of it, say, only 
50, 100 runs behind and instead allowed things to slip away, both literally and figuratively, and in a position where the test seems unwinnable. Yeah, yeah. Now it, now it needs some pretty special bowling. And like you say, they bowled well. The line was good. It was just those slight, I wouldn't say discipline, but, you know, Stokes no ball. Uh, ben Stokes, you, you see they've gone back and looked because the technology is not available at, in, in Brisbane this week to do to where they automatically follow every delivery to see whether or not it's a no ball. So they're only checking the no, no balls using technology when a wicket is taken. I think they said that when they then went back and looked at Ben Stokes's spells, I think he would have bowled 14 no balls. I think it was, had they been calling them correctly. And in the end, he was only called for one because he happened to take a wicket on one of them. I mean, I think there were three no balls in his first over alone. It's just absolutely atrocious from a... It's poor discipline. From a professional cricketer to be doing that. I mean, there's just no excuse. Your run-up should be something that you just have down. And it's just unbelievable to to be stepping overstepping the line with that kind of frequency. For sure, yeah, it is that slight discipline. Like I've seen all the arguments with England, basically saying that they've had no warm-ups for first-class cricket, right? Which is a fine argument. I'm okay with that. Like they it's didn't not play for overstepping. any other warm-ups. You, you, no, no, you no, sort no. That no out but what I, I guess I'm talking more about the discipline side generally, or the fact that they just crumbled in that opening test. But what's uh, sorry, opening innings. But what's the so when you're really speaking about things that they messed up? Batting, okay. If you want to say that they they just aren't in the best of Nick because they haven't had the chance to really, okay, I'll I'll give them a pass on the batting. But on the bowling and fielding side of things, when you're talking about dropping simple catches, you don't need to be playing matches regularly enough to not drop an an easy catch. (laughs) You do that at any walk of life, right? Whether it's 2020, ODI, it doesn't matter. The Hamid run-out opportunity against Warner is one of the most pathetic examples of athleticism from an international athlete I've ever seen. I mean, honestly, if you just watch that clip of him, A, struggling to collect the ball, totally panicking in the moment, and then throwing it as if he'd never thrown something before in his life, and missing the stumps from four yards away, and that might be generous, is so awful. I honestly think if I just rolled a ball to random people on the street, the success rate would be extremely high. But yeah, I... so Go ahead. I had a little trivia. You guys might have seen it, but Burns was out on the first ball. When was the last time someone was out on the first ball in the Ashes? I think I what saw... Year? I think it was like 86 years ago, something like that. I think. Yeah, I think I think the closest one recently was that Strauss was out four balls in to one of the tests. But I don't That's know great, but that doesn't ball. answer my question so, at all. No, so, no, no. Okay, so for me, 86, so that would be uh, 1935, right? 1936. Okay. It was the last time someone was out on first ball in Ashes. Oh, come, come on, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> 
the, the world was ramping up for war. You've got to know these things. Yeah, it's true. And now, I mean, yeah, it's just, and look, you can get out to, a, if you get out to just a really good delivery, obviously you're more susceptible to get out early on because your eye isn't, you've not got your eye in. So I'm not going to, if it, you know, it's one of those classic things where it's actually more understandable to get out between say zero and 10 than it is to get out between 30 and 50, you know, and England traditionally have, have had a habit of players getting in and then not going on to make decent scores. And you, you kind of see that, but getting out to that particular delivery is difficult to accept. As a left-hander, stepping across to clip he's just falling no over basically it makes no sense it's falling it over it makes absolutely no sense well now you're i'm gonna interject with one final sport <laughs> to react to now very quick very quick just worth noting a stat i know you love meaningless stats a stat that surprised me from this week the only champions league in an, in an uneventful week in the champions league where most groups were already kind of sorted out by the time we got down to the final match but Liverpool, who were playing in, for them, a dead rubber, became the first English side in history to win all of their Champions League group games. Something that surprised me had never been done before. It's impressive, right, as well, considering, what was it, AC Milan, Porto, and Atletico Madrid? Like, yeah, it's not an easy That's a hell of a group to do it. That's yeah. a hell of a group to do there it, were considering no, the team they played. In there the were no gimmies. Well. Yeah. Like, they could have easily come third in that group. Don't get me wrong, like they are better than all those teams in there. But if you saw that group and saw Liverpool maybe were just like a close third, you wouldn't have exactly been like, that's incredibly surprising. It would have surprised me quite a bit. Would it have been incredibly surprising? No, but them finishing behind <laughs> AC Milan would have, you know, this is not the AC Milan of the mid 2000s. This is, you know, Zlatan's up front. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Uh, speaking of kind of obviously records and that Barcelona obviously not um, going through the group stages for the first time since was it twenty years I think it was two thousand yeah. yeah basically I mean, this maybe this millennium <laughs> they're just not the yeah they're not the Barcelona no. of old and and there's going to be a period they have they have some extremely talented young players so it's possible that within a couple of years they start to look very good again just because I mean they have some some wonder kid. Teenagers, Pet- Petri, and people like that. Yeah, right? Wonderkind. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I, yeah, it's it's not that surprising. All right, Frank, I think you can. See. I'm surprised. What? Well, no, what I'm surprised though is you didn't do the follow up trivia question. So Liverpool did it. How many teams in total in Champions League history have do done it? Do you mean it? how many different teams, or how many times has it been done? How many times has it been yeah, and done? And you have this fact at hand. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Just <laughs> I I actually read it, and I thought you were. That's why I thought you were going to go for it. The amount of teams that were like Bayern this time out, right? There were like five wins, one loss. So when you say how many teams have done it, you mean how many times has it been done, though? Just to be sure, because like yeah. if Real Madrid have done it four times, and that counts I'm gonna as go, four. I'm going to go with it's a lot of groups. I'm going to go with. Maybe five times. I don't think it's that much because of the resting of players. I think it's significantly higher. All right, Sam. I, I'm I'm just going to give you a little heads up here. Liverpool, Ajax, and uh, Bayern Munich all did it this I thought, year. 
So that's three. Already. Oh, I thought for some reason I thought Bayern lost. I, think I thought Bayern lost a game. <laughs> I was going to throw that fact out there. I think it's. Sig- I thought Bayern lost a game. Okay. No, no, okay, you don't get to reguess. Fair. You don't get to reguess. Okay, can I just add those two to it and just say? S- okay, seven. I'll, I'll give you seven. I'll give you eight. I'll give you okay, eight. Go ahead. If you want. I'm going to go. Okay, okay. I'm going to go. Sign- I'm going to go nineteen. Ten. <laughs> yes, technicality. <laughs> yeah, which is surprising. So three teams did it this year, and that makes ten total. So thirty percent of the time it's been done is just this year. Ajax was a surprising one, even though the group was easy. It's still impressive to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Dortmund was dudded that group, yeah. so. They were disappointing. All right, Frank, I think you can sign us off. Yeah, you you can play us out now. All right, now we can officially say goodbye. See ya. Cheerio.